Hey guys, did I tell you about the time when I once got pulled over for drunk driving? Yeah, I was on my way back from a prayer gathering. Wait, what? Back up. Yeah, it was, it was a really chaotic time in my life. Uh, let me back up. Uh, it was the floods of 93 in Des Moines. Some of us who were alive back then uh, remember these catastrophic floods that hit the Midwest and hit Des Moines really hard. And just the, the, the photos from that time are just overwhelming people. Uh, we'd, have, we'd have drinking water for weeks, uh, out without electricity for days. It was just quite a deal. And, and I was just a young pastor. And here's me uh, in, the year, uh, in the early 90s. And there was a huge relief effort that was arranged. And there was a prayer meeting and a prayer gathering at a church. And we all went there. And on the way back from the prayer meeting, uh, it was late. And I got to an intersection. And I, I just was really kind of hungry because I hadn't had a chance in all the activity to really get something to, uh, to eat. And so I decided uh, about, I, I got to the intersection and then I got about halfway through the intersection and I decided, wait a minute, I'm hungry. And I, I said, there's a Wendy's down that way. And so I kind of did this weird angle where I kind of came around and, and then and went, took a right turn. And I looked around, I was like, nobody's here. So I took that right turn kind of weirdly. And it wasn't one second later, lights on, flashing, pulled me over. Police officer comes up to me, shines the flashlight in. Can I see your this and that? And hey, hey, what happened back there at that intersection? And I said, well, officer, actually, I was on my way back from a prayer meeting. And, uh, and then I got halfway through the intersection. And I decided I wanted to go to Wendy's Old Fashioned Hamburgers and go through the drive-thru. And I'm explaining this to him. He goes, you can stop. Um, I, I pulled you over for drunk driving, but you're stone sober. Uh, be careful with that, okay? I said, gotcha, officer, and I went on my way. It was a chaotic time in life, and sometimes life is crazy, and sometimes it's kind of crazy, crazy, fun, but sometimes it's painful, difficult, floods, hardship, unpredictable. Maybe just life is hard. Maybe that's where you are right now, or it's unsettling, or it seems out of control, or just plain nuts, and for those times, we come to a passage today about encountering God when life gets chaotic. So come with me to Acts chapter 16. As we learned last weekend, the Apostle Paul, Silas, Timothy, and the author of this book of Acts, the record of the early church, have arrived in Philippi. And they've begun to establish this new church. A woman named Lydia came to faith in Jesus and... Uh, she's uh, uh, offered her home as a place for like the home base for the church and also for the rest of their mission. And we heard all about that last week. But, um, but we pick up the story and it was pretty crazy already, that story, but it gets crazier. And just like once when I, when I was on my way from a prayer meeting, this happened. Paul says in verse 16, once as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She was involved in some kind of occult practice and Satan had some kind of grip on her life. And, uh, and, and that's real. There is a spiritual battle of darkness going on. And she had this. This weren't parlor tricks. There was some way in which she had some kind of insight into things. And in the ancient world, people would pay attention to this, uh, and, 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 and they did. And in fact, it says, this slave young girl made a large profit for her owners by fortune-telling. 
She was a slave. She was owned by multiple people. She was exploited. She was being trafficked. Not sexually trafficked, but she was being trafficked for this ability that she had that people would pay a lot of money to have your palm read or whatever your fortune told in the ancient world. And, um, and, and they're exploiting this. And as she followed Paul and us, she cried out, these men who are proclaiming to you a way of salvation are the servants of the most high God. So she was advertising, she was proclaiming the truth, but she had this kind of satanic, demonic way and influence. And it says in verse 18, she did this for many, many days. She keeps doing this. These are proclaiming to you the way of salvation, their servants of the Most High God, over and over again. Finally, I don't know why Paul waited until a moment, but finally he did something. He says he was greatly annoyed. He was disturbed. He'd had it up to here. I think it was he had had it up to here with seeing this young woman so damaged by Satan, so exploited by her owners, so trafficked that she, he just said, this has to end. This evil must stop. And turning to the spirit, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. This was unusual in the book of Acts. You don't see this as much, but it did happen in the ministry of Jesus. And they said, we, we, we know that she's saying the truth, but we don't want that kind of endorsement from that kind of endorser. Sometimes you have to drop the endorser when they get so tainted or so mixed up with something. We're, con we're familiar with this in our world. So here's the first principle. Evil is real, but Jesus is more powerful. Trust God in the battle. Guys, evil is a real thing. There's still a spiritual for, uh, battle going on. Satan and forces of darkness in this world. It's a real deal. And sometimes we sense that more powerfully than other times. And it's, it's present in the greed of people. It's present in this sort of occult practices. It's present in all manner of things. And we sometimes sense that, and we certainly see that sometimes operating in people and cultures. And, and we can get real afraid of that or, or, or get mixed up in that, but God says, no, no, no. Evil is real, but Jesus is more powerful, so trust him in the battle. So be careful where you look for guidance and help, do, stay far away from occult practices. Don't go to any of them or don't go to weird places, psychics or whatever, uh, for help. Trust God and his word. Be unafraid of evil because Jesus is more powerful than evil. Look to him and pray to him and seek him. And Valley Church is here with you. If you're experiencing that kind of darkness, we're here for you. Please reach out to us. Your brothers and sisters in Christ are here for you. And be willing. We're willing to help those and be willing to help others who are trapped in an evil situation and be a part of the solution to get people out of trafficking, to get people out of the darkness of satanic oppression. We need to be available as the people of God. So that's, that's the first principle of chaos, um, whether you're experiencing it or you want to help someone who's experiencing it. Okay, let's go on. Verse 19, when her owners realized that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities bringing them before the chief magistrates, this is the two top people in the city of Philippi, which was the little Rome, they said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews. Now right here, note that this is really about their loss of income. This is all about greed because this woman was valuable and now her ability to be this psychic or clairvoyant or predict the future or whatever is gone. And so their money-making venture 
is also gone. In fact, the same word of the spirit being gone and their money being, their way of making money gone are the same exact words. And they're very upset by this. And they, they, they're like, well, their greed is, is, is not going to be satisfied anymore. And so they, but they, they make up this charge that they're somehow disturbing the city. False. Uh, disturbing the city. And then they said, they are Jews. What's that? They're playing the race card. Because at this point, there is racial animosity towards Jewish people. There's anti-Semitism that exists. And the people of, of Philippi, there's very few Jewish people there. And so uh, they kind of play on that suspicion, prejudice against Jewish people. And they say, these guys are Jews. Guys, that sort of ethnicity, that sort of evil of, of, uh, of, of, of prejudice and discrimination and... and, and, and uh, and racial um, uh, disturbances because of somebody's background or ethnicity or race has been around for a long time. And so we're going to learn about that God cares about that, but sometimes there are disturbances around it. And it says, and they're promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. Technically, that sort of was true, but in reality, the Romans allowed the Jewish people to freely practice their, their faith in most situations. Uh, but they get everybody all whipped up. They're the ones disturbing the city. These, uh, these people who've lost their prophets. Verse 22, the crowd joined in the attack against them and the chief magistrates immediately jumped to conclusions and ordered them, they stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. This was a very serious flogging. Uh, it says in verse 23, after they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer, remember that term, the jailer, to guard them carefully. Watch out for these dangerous people. Receiving such an order, the jailer put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks, which is like a, a, wooden, uh, a, a wooden instrument that you put your feet through and it was locked down. And your hands might have been in chains. Now they're bleeding. Uh, they're, they're sores. They're open sores on their back. It's a, it's a terrible situation, extremely painful suffering that they've gone through. This was a really tough day. Um, in the life of the Apostle Paul and Silas. By the way, why were, were Timothy and Luke? Well, they're not targeted because Luke is a Gentile. He's not a Jew. And Timothy, was, his mother was a Jew Jewish, but his father was a Greek. So they left them alone. But it's totally based on their ethnicity. It says they, see, uh, they seize them and, and beat them and imprison them. If you had this chapter of your life or you're writing a journal, how do you entitle this? Seize, drag, brought before the authorities. Faced extreme prejudice, false accusations. The crowd attacked us. We were stripped, beaten, and flogged. Thrown into prison. Guarded in the stocks. In the inner prison. In the maximum security of this Philippian prison. It's a tough day. How do you respond to that? It's chaos. 
You've done nothing wrong and you're suffering because you're following Jesus and you're trying to help other people know Jesus and because you're delivering people from the power of Satan. How did they respond to that? Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Wow. Wow. Here's a principle. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus in this world, with all the forces around us, suffering is inevitable. But misery is optional. Praise God in the darkness. There are times in your life when you've done nothing wrong, or maybe when life has just hit you really hard. And there is going to be a tremendous sense of temptation. And it took them a while. The physical um, suffering that they endured, they had to, they had to endure all that and, and, and maybe even recover from that to some degree. But about midnight, they're starting to praise God and they're trying to sing about Jesus and about God. And they were praising God. This is remarkable. So remarkable. Their faith was real. And it's in the times of darkness that we find out, is God real or not? You see the real deal? And they found out God is real, and he is sufficient, and he is able to comfort us, even when we're hurting, even when we're suffering for nothing that we've done. God is real, and he meets us in our darkness, and he met them there. Can I just encourage you, and we've all had those low, low times. That's the time when we draw near to God. And that's the time when we encounter God. And that's the time when we praise God. We begin to recount the ways that he is good and who he is and what he means to us. Because you don't have anything else but God. And that's what they were relying on in this situation. They drew near to God. They never lost their joy or their closeness to God. I mean, it could have gone a lot of different direction. If it's me, it's like, you know... Uh, Silas, I'm, I'm Silas, I'm looking at Paul and it's like, why'd you let me talk? Why'd you talk me into this? Or both of them, why us? And where are Luke and Timothy? But for Paul, it's evidently, Silas, this is our prayer and praise retreat. This is our time to encounter God. And it's that kind of people who end up changing the world, as we'll see as we continue on in this story. Anytime you attempt to do something for God, anytime you attempt to follow Jesus, anytime you attempt to share the faith, anytime you try to take new ground for the gospel, you can expect chaos and some opposition. Expect some pushback. And the question is, how are we respond to that? Suffering is inevitable, but misery is optional. I want to encourage you, encounter God by praising him. Just start praising God. Be involved in worship. Be involved in your life group where you can pray and together and you can share your needs and you can praise God together. There are some of you here, either in person or online, and you're going through a really tough time right now. I want you to know that God cares about you and honestly, he wants to hear from you. He wants to hear your hurt and he also loves to hear his child Praise him in the darkness. 
and he'll be right there for you. Not surprisingly, in this situation, the prisoners are listening to them because they're all in there for who knows what, and they're suffering too, but they're just, this makes a huge impact on them. By the way, the way that we respond to opposition and evil and suffering is one of our greatest ways we can be light and witness to a watching world. So grab a Silas and praise God together when you're going through the dark times. It's more than the power of positive thinking. It's about choosing to praise instead of despair. It's despair or it's God. And it has a remarkable impact on others. Keep reading. Remember, remember, now they don't know what's going to happen next in the story, and maybe you don't either, but look what happens in verse 26. They're praising God, and suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chain came loo- uh, chains came loose. So this is a violent uh, uh, earthquake that happens in, in God's miraculous timing. It may be very localized just to this jail, but it happened. And this is, of course, an opportunity for freedom. And, you know, Paul and Silas can say, we're out of here. This is awesome. God got us out. But look, it takes a turn, chaotic turn. Verse 27, when the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. He actually, in the ancient world, lives in a small house near the prison. He doesn't actually, is right there in the prison, so he's just a short distance away. The earthquake, and he's, he sees all the doors of the prison open, and he just assumes everyone's escaped. And in those days in the ancient world, the Roman law was this. You will suffer as a guard or a jailer the same penalty for any uh, that your uh, escaped prisoners would suffer. So if, in there, if they're in there for a year or if they're in there for, uh, 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 they're gonna get a beating or whatever is do them is what your sentence is going to be. So at that point, the humiliation of that and just the thought of suffering like that uh, and, 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 and the dishonor in the, in the ancient world to his family, uh, the jailer is, is going to take his life down. He draws his sword and he's about to kill himself. Whoa. For some people, it would have been an opportunity for Paul and Silas to run. But instead, for Paul, he says this, verse 28. But Paul called out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself because we're all here. He saved the guy's life at that point. A guy who, a jailer is a rough around the edges guy. He saved his life. Don't harm yourself. He intervened for his behalf. It's the first time he's going to do that. We'll see more. The jailer jailer decides not to do himself in, called for lights, rushed in, fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. He's so overcome by what he's seen. He knows all about the riots and about their beating and who they are, but their heart of compassion to him, not running away, but actually viewing this as an opportunity to help him, so touches his heart. He sees that he, not they, are the prisoners and says, he escorted them, he called for the lights, rushed in, fell down, trembling before them. And it says, he escorted them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He had maybe heard the slave girl said, these men are showing the way of salvation. They're servants of the most high God. 
He had heard the message circulated around. He had seen the integrity of these men now and what they'd done, the compassion they had toward him. And he wants to know how he can be delivered, how he can be rescued, because he sees that really it's, he's the one who's a prisoner, not Paul and Silas. And they answer. They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. It's a very straightforward question. What must I do to be saved? And a very straightforward answer, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in the house. Here's the principle, mark it down. Number three, chains can hold us, but they are not unbreakable. They're not unbreakable. Ask God to set you free. And perhaps for some today, this is the day. You feel like that jailer. For whatever reason, chains, maybe the guilt, the shame, the inability to live the life that you'd like to live. Um, And you've come face to face with somebody who has a message that is very remarkable. And you say, what, what, what must I do to be rescued? What, what do I need to do to be saved or delivered or set free? And the good news is that Jesus Christ came for you, for people like me, who've fallen short, who need help, who've sinned against a holy God, and who know we're guilty. And sometimes we get to the end of our rope but maybe God's speaking to you right now. And what does he say? What do you need to, how do you respond? What must I do? I want to just share this with you. You need to admit, first admit, that you have a spiritual need. You agree with God that you're, a, you're broken. You're a rebel. We're all sinners. You admit that you're a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. You need then to repent. That is, change your mind about whatever you're trusting in to make you right with God and instead trust in Jesus alone. He took on human flesh. He lived a perfect life. He healed people. He taught the kingdom of God. And he went to a cross to take the penalty for your sin and for mine. Trust in him today. And then believe. Believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and your sins. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then receive Jesus as your savior. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, you will be rescued, just like that Philippian jailer. You can receive God's pardon right now by praying to him. You could pray something like this. Lord, thank you for, that you love me so much that you sent your son to die for me. I know that without Jesus Christ's sacrifice, I would be separated from you forever and your love forever. Right now, in my chaos, I place my faith in Jesus for forgiveness of my sins and the gift of eternal life. I want Jesus in my life to be my Savior. And from here on out, as best as I know right now, I want to follow you with my life. If you believe in the Lord Jesus you will be delivered. Your chains will fall off and God will say, you are not guilty. You are my child. You are my son. You are my daughter. Let's finish out the story. Verse 33. This jailer, who's a blue collar guy, who's rough around the edges. I've met some jailers in my time and some of them are are pretty rough characters. Look at this guy. He took them the same hour of the night. The jailer washed their wounds 
Now his heart is filled with compassion. Right away, he and all his family were baptized. The whole family says, we're, we're believing in this Jesus. He brought them into his house. Wow, now he's welcoming them into his home? The prisoners are coming into the jailer's home? That never happens. He set a meal before them? Are you kidding me, this kindness? His heart has been transformed. And he rejoiced. Why, it says, because he had come to believe in God. Not the foreign idols, but the one true God with his entire household. He'd been transformed. Here's the fourth principle. Everybody, including me, including you, everybody has issues. But Jesus can change us, and we need to turn to God for a new beginning. So this guy had issues. I'm sure he had a lot of, you know, baggage. But God set him free, forgave him. And when he set free, he was set free. And now he washes the wounds of, of prisoners he was guarding. He was baptized. His, his whole family came to believe in God. And he's filled with his joy of knowing God. That's what happens to somebody who truly steps into a relationship with God. All because he had come to believe in God. God can set you free. The chains, and we all have issues, but God can give us new beginnings. If you would like to have that new beginning, you can do that right now. If you're saying, I'm not even sure how to do that, I would encourage you today to go to your community card, and you can do that online if you like, either in person, you can take your community card out, or you can go online to valley.church hello, and you can check Alpha. And Alpha is this incredible course, starts September 12th, where you can learn and explore about Christianity and how your chains and your past, even whatever issues we have, God can give us a new beginning. Um, this was an opportunity knocking at the door for Paul and Silas. And instead of running out of the prison, they said, God, this isn't about us. Sometimes your chaos is not about you. It's about helping somebody else. And that's what Paul and Silas did. Here's the end of the chaos story for today, verse 35. When daylight came, the chief magistrate sent the police to say, release those men. The jailer reported these words to Paul. The magistrates have sent orders for you to be released. So come out now and go in peace. So the jailer says, you can, you can be on your way now. But Paul said to them, the magistrates, they beat us in public without a trial. Although we are Roman citizens, bum, 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 bum. That's not good. It's a serious legal breach. And threw us in jail. And now they're going to send us away secretly? Certainly not. No, no chance of that, he says. On the contrary, let them come themselves, the magistrate, and escort us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates. They were afraid, alarmed, when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to appease them. Hey, make it, let's make this all up here. And escorting them from the prison, they did urge them to leave the town. So my question is, why didn't Paul or Silas play that get out of jail free card like they were Roman citizens before? Maybe they, in the chaos, they could, nobody heard them. But maybe, maybe they, they just were willing to take the punishment. But now they're not doing it for themselves because they're leaving town. They're doing it for the church. They're saying, we're going to show up and we're going to make a difference. 
And, and, and he, I think they probably said to the magistrate something along these lines, okay, we're leaving town, but you guys are in serious legal trouble if we pursue this. So we want you to show kindness and we want you to show respect and, and, and give great freedom to this little church, this little gathering of Jesus followers. And we know from the, uh, the letters that this Philippian church was really thriving and growing and it did amazing things. So Paul and Silas used their own chaos to further the advance of the kingdom of God. And then the final word is, and after leaving into jail, they came back to Lydia's house, full circle. Now back to Lydia's house, this woman, this woman of wealth, this woman of influence, and this woman of a brand new faith who's introducing them to everybody and having the church meet at her house and making that her base. Her generosity was overflowing. And they saw and encouraged her brothers and sisters at there at her house, and they departed. Here's the last principle for today. Opposition is temporary. You will have it, but encouragement will arrive. Eventually, some way, God enables you to get that encouragement and watch for God to turn it around. Eventually, things did turn around. And I want you to find that encouragement like Paul and Silas did in the house of Lydia, in your small group. If you're not a part of a life group, again, go to that community card in physically or to valet.church slash hello and fill that out and check that you'd like to be a part of a life group. We close with this today. As we come to the Lord's table, we all have our issues. We all have things, struggles, chaos that we're facing. But that's why Jesus came. In the bread and the cup, we remember what he did for us there. His body broken for us. His blood shed for us. The church at Philippi was a great place. It was crazy town they lived in, crazy times they experienced, but an incredible church, which all started down by the river with Lydia. This was an amazing church led by Paul and Silas that included people from all sorts of backgrounds. A woman of high social status, Lydia, and undoubtedly, this slave girl, I, 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 it's never said, but you got to believe she turned to Jesus when God set her free. She was almost certainly a part of this new church. And then in the middle is a blue-collar jailer, rough-around-the-edges guy. He experienced great joy with his whole household because he'd come to believe in God. Today, I want you to, I want to encourage you. Maybe you feel like the... the um, Maybe you feel like the slave girl. You just feel like you've been exploited. Maybe you feel like the jailer that you just need to be set free of your own prison. Maybe you can identify with somebody like Paul or Silas um, and their suffering and hardship or maybe their opportunities to share the good news. Or maybe you're like a Lydia or a Luke who just says, wow, there's all sorts of opportunities around us to share the good news. I want to remind you one more time to uh, get signed up for the Good for All conference. Uh, this weekend is the last weekend for that early bird price. And I, I, uh, last year we had a guy come, and um, his name was Chris Brown. He's the pastor of the largest uh, free church in the country, the lead pastor. And he did a great job. He, was, he, was, he blew us away, but he was also blown away by the conference. And I, I, Chris just wanted to share something with Valley Church. And so... Uh, he wanted to invite you to, to get to be a part of this conference. Could you, 
Could you please just listen to what Chris has to say? Check it out. Hey, Valley Church, Chris Brown here coming to you from beautiful San Diego. You don't know me, but I know you. You know why I know you? Because I love your church. I love what you're doing in that amazing city of Des Moines in the state of Iowa. I love your senior pastor, Quentin. He's one of my most favorite encouraging dudes in my life. And you know why I love your church so much? Good for all conference. I've been there. I was at it last year in the middle of a pandemic, and I still saw what God did in some amazing ways. And you know what I know about it this year? Two things. 20 speakers. Everyone's going to be live. And Tim Tebow. Are you kidding me? Tim Tebow is going to be at your church. But here's the other thing I know about it. Valley Church, you probably don't have a clue what a great thing you have going on right there on your own property. That's how church works. See, I know church a little bit. I know we do some amazing things that most of our church people don't even know, and they might not even care. Good for all. It's going to grow you in your faith with God. It's going to teach you how to love others, especially those you don't really love. And it's going to teach you how to be more like Christ. It's going to be three days that you're going to either hear later and go, why did I miss that? It was right here at church. That would have been good for me. I could have that when Tim Tebow. Maybe we could have been best friends, throwing the football around a little bit. Or you're going to go, man, I was at that conference. It was amazing. My love for God, love for others is strong. And Tim and I are best friends. So sign up today. What are you waiting for? You got nothing better to do. October 7th through 9th. Come on, Valley. Sign up. So wow, guys, I really hope that you will get signed up for the Good For All Conference and, uh, and, and make that happen today. All right? As we conclude, take out your community card, either online or in, in your hand. And I want, uh, there's a little space in the community card. I've circled it here where there's a blank line. I'd like you to write one of, of five words that as a response to this message, the chaos that you're experiencing today. First is the word liberty. If you feel like you've been um, exploited or, or used or you feel like Satan has just overpowered your life and you want that liberty in your life, you want to experience that, write the word liberty there. A second word would be what the jailer experienced, and that's the word salvation. You say, what must I do to be saved? And you prayed with me and you want to trust in Christ, right? Salvation. And then there's, maybe you felt more like Paul or Silas, and you say, I just, it's a dark time, but I want to praise God. Write the word praise in the blank there, praise. Or maybe you're discovering in your chaos, like Paul did, this is actually an opportunity to find your purpose in life, that God's got a purpose in the, in the craziness in this chaos. Write the word purpose there. And finally, the last word is influence. Maybe you're like Lydia who can use your generosity, your home, your relationships, your business, whatever it might be, to make a huge impact in this world. Would you write the word influence down on that line? I invite you all to write one of those words and then to send that to us or to drop that off in person after the service is over. I invite you now to pray with us. Father, thank you for sending your son, the Lord Jesus, and now as we come to this Lord's table, I pray, O oh God, that you would um, remind us of your great love for us to set us free through the, the work of Jesus, your son. And for us to understand that through, it was through your suffering and by your stripes we are healed and we remember you in the cup today. Speak to us powerfully through this passage and help us to remember you, Lord Jesus, and set us free in our chaos. And all God's people agreed and said, amen. So now whenever you're ready, you can partake of the bread and the cup. God bless you all.